Today's episode is sponsored by Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Stay tuned for additional details about Sonos Arc later on in today's episode. Doctor, doctor, nothing personal. Word of the day, Wednesday, May the 26th, 2021. The word of the day is doctor, doctor. Coke and I were going through the words of the day. He never heard of the Thompson twins, the band, the Thompson twins, as in doctor, doctor. He said I was talking about an old Robert Palmer song, but I was talking about the Thompson Twins. Doctor, doctor, can't you see I'm burning, burning? Why is the doctor word of the day? Baseball is a funny sport. No one wants to hear about injuries. No one cares. If your team isn't performing because your best players are injured, next man up is what people say, fans say, players say, executives say. Eventually, you run out of men. The Mets bring in Cameron Mabin, who I love. Don't get me wrong. He just can't play Major League Baseball anymore. They've had so many injuries. They just traded for a AAA player, and I completely forgot his name because I read it like at 4 a.m. this morning. I'm going to say Billy McKinney, Coca, and I'm going to be wrong because that's an NBA player. Former executive, actually, with the Pacers, I believe. Why are the Mets bringing in all these people? Because they have 16 players on the injured list. We said that injuries were going to be a major, major problem this season. And it turns out that it's worse than I thought. And the reason that the injuries are happening, I'm not talking about it again with you all. Go to a previous episode. I'm not going to mention the fact that spring training was screwed up. I'm not going to mention the fact that there were 60 games and now there's going to be 162 games. I'm not going to mention the fact that the players wouldn't allow the month delay, which MLB wanted because of COVID, but really it would have been good to have an extra month of rest for players. I'm not going to mention the fact that hitters are trying to hit home runs and pitchers are trying to throw 99. That's not natural to throw 99. It hurts. Have you ever seen a slow-mo picture when they take it? We never got to see these when, you know, you were using the Kodak Instamatic and you had to bring the roll of film to the pharmacy, get it developed, a photography store, a camera store, get it developed and hope you got some good pics. Now they can show you, like when Max Scherzer throws a breaking ball, what his tendon looks like would shock you. And you wonder why they break, because they do. Shoulders get hurt, soft tissue injuries, just, Today, I want to talk about a few injuries and I want to talk about what doctors are doing and what they're not doing. Doctors roles with baseball teams are fascinating. Their role is to both be a sounding board for an owner and a president and a GM. What do you think about this? How do you think this player will perform? How long until this player's arm actually falls off? 
Doctors are used in the clubhouse. They're there after every game. They walk into the training room, check out who's in there. They try to see sort of who they need to see. You have to have a doctor on duty in person. Even if it's a pediatrician, there's got to be a doctor on duty. (laughs) It's not always an orthopedic surgeon, but it mostly is. So they go into the training room and they look around. They look at the medical reports because everything has to be logged. And then they get a call from me. Hey, doc, how we looking? Everything okay? Speak to the GM because we go to our office after every game and we wait to hear the report from the training room after having gone into the clubhouse right after a game, win or loss. And then you go up to your office and you wait for the call. Sometimes the call comes and says, hey, we have a situation. We'll know more in the morning. That was never good enough for me. I wanted to know right then. I wanted a player to get an MRI right then and there. And when you've got the right connections, which every baseball team does, a player can go into the MRI tube after a game. Some stadiums have, and including Marlins Park, sorry, the the loan have, uh, that's what we should call it, Coca, where the Marlins play. We're going to call, actually, let's call it the Depot. At the depot, because it's Loan Depot, there's a capital D, so I think you have to have inflection in your voice. Loan Depot Park, we put in a x-ray room and a big machine that was paid for by, not us. And you want to get answers because you have to make corresponding roster moves. So when a player gets hurt in the middle of a game, we would go down to the clubhouse, see what was going on, and then immediately start the conversations with our minor league development people with our traveling secretary and with our clubhouse guy because we were going to have a player move the next day. So the Yankees are playing a game. It was not the pick of the day, but it certainly could have been. Corey Kluber had his first start since his no-hitter. You knew he was not going to throw a no-hitter. You knew the Yankees were going to lose the game because that's what happens after a no-hitter. We won with the uh, Tigers, I can't remember when, when Spencer Turnbull had his first start after his no-hitter. I think that was recent. So Corey Kluber's pitching, goes three innings, and all of a sudden, he's gone. What happened? And the Yankees announced after the game that Corey Kluber suffered from what they called shoulder tightness. Let me explain to you when a team says something's tight, shoulder tightness, elbow tightness, forearm tightness. They had some tightness in their side. Tightness is the word we use when we're not willing to tell you anything other than you're going to ask us because we pulled them after three innings. We have to give you an answer. And so we're going to give you the most generic answer of all time. And you're going to report it. And the fans are going to believe it, except We're going to mislead you. You're going to mislead the fans who you're talking to, and we're all going to live happily ever after. And the reason why we're misleading you is shoulder tightness is not a medical condition. It is not a diagnosis. It is not the result of an exam. It is nothing. Ooh, I feel some tightness. What does that mean? Ooh, I got some pulling. Ooh, I got a little cramp. Ooh, do you ever get the toe cramp when your feet lock up or your shin and you you can't move and you cry and you fall to the floor? Tightness. Tightness. So Corey Kluber leaves the game. He goes to the clubhouse. He says, man, I got some tightness. (laughs) That's not what he said. He said, I have pain. 
He says, I've got, I couldn't loosen up. So we always say the opposite of loose is tight, therefore you're tight. What loosening up for a pitcher means is that their mechanics have to change in order for them to get any sort of velocity. And they know as a veteran pitcher, rookies don't know it, so we have to watch them. But veterans like Kluber know if he changes his mechanics in any way to make up for anything that's going on with the release of his pitches, he is risking yet a different injury than the one that is causing him to have to change his mechanics in the first place. On the bench, we can look out at a pitcher and know when he's going to have to come out of a game. We don't have to look at the speed gun because we'd look at a warm-up pitch or we'd look at a regular pitch on a 2-0 count when we know a fastball has been called and we look and say, man, was that a changeup? And then the catcher looks into the dugout and we're looking down at the catcher and then the manager and the trainer go see the pitcher. Here's another little hint when you're watching a baseball game. When the manager doesn't come out, everything's fine. When a player is not a star player and it's all the way in the outfield, the manager generally won't come out and it could still be semi-serious, but then the trainer goes out and then watch to see the speed in which the trainer goes. What sorts of little clues you can have as to how bad an injury is? All you gotta do is look and know what you're looking for. So Corey Kluber comes out of the game Yankees are off this amazing streak. I think the best they've had in 90 years of starting pitching results, scoreless innings. Kluber's out. They announced shoulder tightness. He's going to get an MRI. The result of the MRI will not be shoulder tightness. It will be he'll need rest. It'll be inflammation. That's a good one. Slight impingement. You could have that. We'll wait to see what that result is. We use injuries to inform us how we're going to deal with our roster, but we also don't disclose them, not because we don't want the fans to know. That doesn't even enter the equation. We don't want to disclose because there could be competitive reasons to not disclose. Joe Girardi has been lying to you from the beginning about Bryce Harper's forearm injury. They knew Bryce Harper was going to need an IL stint, but they wanted to wait as long as possible. The worst rule MLB has that leads to the most line to you is called the retroactive rule. Retroactive means that when the injured list is 10 days, you can put someone on the injured list anytime you want, and you can backdate it to the last time they appeared in a game. I think the rule coca may be up to five days of that. I don't think you can go the whole 10 days. I think you can only do five. Why is that in my head? I couldn't possibly tell you on a random Wednesday morning. So if Bryce Harper doesn't play for four days and then he gets put on the injured list, he doesn't have to sit out 10 more. He has to sit out six more. So the only problem with having a player who's on your bench who can't play is that he's unavailable and you're playing what the manager would call as a man short. But I was okay with us playing a man short because you don't want to put a player on the injured list unless you know for sure he needs to miss the full 10 days. Because when you put a player on the injured list, you then have to bring someone back up to the roster. So the rule is now three days, Coca. Three days of retroactivity is all you can do. Okay. I wonder if it had always been three days because I think it had been longer as I recall back in the day. But maybe it's always been three. 
But in any case, so Joe Girardi tells the media, yeah, Bryce Harper, fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Good, fine, injured list. And everyone's up in arms. Everyone's upset that Joe Girardi was misleading. You know, I'll come on down on Joe Girardi anytime I can, but not for this. Only when it's real. Only when he deserves it. He gets told by his GM, Dave Dombrowski, to say, here's what you're going to say when you meet the media. Because after a game, the manager meets with the GM, president often, and the PR guy. And they go over what messages are going to be given to the media following that game. And here's the questions that'll be asked. So in the Phillies case, they would say, hey, it's Joe Girardi. You're going to be asked about Bryce Harper. Why didn't he play? Here's what you're going to say. We were resting him. Schedule day off. That works once. Second day. He needed another day. We just wanted to be extra precautious. Next day. In an abundance of caution. He was available, but we just didn't use him. That's another one we use. So he goes on the injured list. People get unhappy. Why? I don't want another team to know when we have a pitcher or player who's not available to play. We get a list before each game, which pitchers are available and which pitchers are not. Because there's a chart that's kept when the last time the pitcher pitched, how many innings he pitched, how many pitches he pitched, and whether or not he's available. And when a pitcher is not available, the rule to the manager is no matter what, even if it's a 20-inning game, you go to tomorrow's starter, you do not pitch this pitcher, even for a batter. Because when a pitcher comes in for a batter, it still means, means he's done his warm-up. So we've got the list. We don't have to give that list to you or to the other team or to the media, or to anyone. And when you're going through your game and the bench coach and the manager are managing the game against you, they've got to prepare for the possibility that your closer is available, even though he's pitched three days in a row, you assume he's not available. But when you're making your pinch hitting decisions, when you're making your lineup decisions, when you're making your double switch decisions, you've got to assume there's a chance that your closer can come in, even though I was told before the game, the closer's not coming in but you don't know that. That's competitive. That's competition. It's like putting a foreign substance on the ball when you're pitching. It's like stealing signs. Anything that we can do to make you not win a game against us, we're going to do. What's the big deal? Sometimes, however, there's no reason to hide. When a player has a compound fracture, you're not going to say he's got shoulder tightness. When a player's arm falls off while pitching and he has a displaced bone or a broken bone, you're not going to say he has an oblique situation. He's day to day. Sometimes something happens that you just say, here's what it is. He's going to be out. Good luck. The Mets are doing that with a bunch of their players saying they're not going to be around till June, et cetera. But the Mets had a situation yesterday that got a ton of attention with Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard is on the injured list. Noah Syndergaard had Tommy John. Here's how Tommy John works. They actually take a tendon from another part of your body, stick it in your elbow, attach it to what it needs to be attached to, and say, there you go, good luck. You keep your arm in a locked position for a little while, then you start rehab, 
physical therapy. Eventually, you can throw a ball, touch a ball. Then you can throw from 120 feet, then 90 feet. Then you can get on the mound. Then you can throw a bullpen. Then you can throw a simulated inning, then a real inning, and it builds and it builds and it builds, et cetera. There is something that happens in Tommy John recovery where there is what's called a normal expected setback. A normal expected setback when you are recovering from Tommy John is when you're pitching and you feel something tight. <laughs> Do you get that? You actually feel something grab and you get totally scared after you have had Tommy John. And when you feel something's wrong on your release, you immediately stop. Sometimes that's the getting rid of the scar tissue. Sometimes that is just something moving into place, settling into place. Sometimes it's totally normal and it doesn't set back your recovery at all. It's actually part of your recovery. Other times you're recovering from Tommy John and you have an actual setback in your recovery. An actual setback is when the timeline for returning to the mound gets pushed back. Noah Syndergaard got removed. He was throwing a, I can't remember, Coco, was it a simulated game? I actually don't remember whatever it was, but he got removed and there is some concern that he's got a problem and the Mets have no incentive to mislead you because a, he's an impending free agent, not signed to a long-term deal. B, the, the Mets are not going to acquire a pitcher because Syndergaard is hurt. They already counted on him being hurt. That's the other reason you never tell the truth about an injury because you don't want anyone to know that you're desperately out there trying to acquire a player to replace the injured player. But the Mets will announce exactly what happened to Syndergaard as soon as they know, which will be today, because you get the MRI immediately, you get the results immediately, and there's no reason to mislead us. So I'm concerned for Syndergaard because sometimes when you're recovering from Tommy John, you don't make it. We only hear about, hey, he's back from Tommy John. You know, the, the Mets, of course, are going to say no one's overly concerned. It's preventative. That's what Louis Rojas said. You can expect speed bumps on the road, he said. You're right. That's what I just explained, but it may not be. I don't think the Mets are lying, though. I think we're going to be fine with Syndergaard. I think he'll be on the team. But just don't panic if you're a Mets fan. But the craziest doctor, doctor story of the day, by far, not even close, actually, was Zach Plezak. I'm so happy I'm not the president of a team because if I got a call saying that one of my starting rotation pitchers broke his thumb while taking off his jersey, I would have just about lost my crap. I would have gone down to the clubhouse and I would have said there's no possibility that happened, right? What's the real story? Did he punch a wall? Something? Please. It can't be. Did he slice his thumb off while cutting vegetables in the kitchen? It can't be that we're unlucky enough that we have a pitcher who broke his thumb by taking off his jersey and Tito Francona, the manager of the Indians, said he took it off aggressively and while ripping off his shirt after giving up five runs or something in three innings, he ripped it off and his thumb hit his chair. So I'm going to tell you exactly what happened because I've seen it and I've talked about it with major league pitchers. We put a chair in front of every locker, of course. And often when players come out of the game, they sit on the chair, which is in front of their locker. Not everybody gets undressed standing up. Sometimes you sit down, you're tired, you take your jersey off, which is a button jersey. Some guys unbutton only the top two buttons and take it over their head. Other guys unbutton all of them and just take it off the way you take off a button-down shirt. 
Then instead of taking off your pants while you're standing up, you sit down, you bend your leg over your knee, you take off your stirrups and your pants after your spikes come off, but your spikes come off and get put in a place where they get cleaned by the clubbies. But when you're angry because you've had a bad start or you made the last out of the game or you made an error that cost you the game, there are players that come into the clubhouse and they hit the, they try to hit the ceiling of the dugout. Yes, I'm talking about you, AJ. Or they do something else on their way to the training room or they beat up something in the equipment room or they take over the spread in the kitchen and they throw things. All of those things can happen. But what you're not supposed to do under any scenario is violently take off your jersey in the seated position. When you're standing, you can rip your jersey as much as you want. You can rip it over your head. You can rip it off like the Hulk. You can go full Lou Ferrigno. But when you're sitting, the problem is you are in a more constrained position, and that can actually cause an injury. Think about that when you're sitting in a chair right now. Try to rip off your clothes and get them off while sitting, and you are in danger of hitting something. Zach, please, Zach has a broken thumb because he ripped off his jersey after a bad start. <sighs> That's got to be upsetting. Indians are playing well, too. I wonder if they miss Lindor. I wonder if the Mets are despondent that Lindor is hitting below the Mendoza line. Anyway, we got to wait to see. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm concerned about my wait to see from two days ago that the Bucks and Heat are going to go seven. I'm not concerned about the wait to see from yesterday that the Portland and the Las Vegas cities will not be home to the Oakland A's. But my wait to see today, I feel like it's a slam dunker. There was talk that Noah Syndergaard could get back with a month with a J. That was a possibility. Well, guess what? Noah Syndergaard will not return to the Mets until... The month starts with A at a minimum. No J's. Sorry, Noah. I know it's recovery and I know you've got some extra free time. No J's for you. That is the nothing personal wait to see of the day. Noah Syndergaard will not be back until August at minimum, no matter what Louis Rojas told you. It is time to raise the bar presented by Sonos Arc. Raising the bar is when Somebody has a Sonos speaker under their TV. They lift it high over their head and they say, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Coca has no idea what I'm talking about. Raising the bar presented by Sonos Arc. That's when somebody's just performing out of their minds. Anyone paying attention to Vladimir Guerrero? That's the same Kluber game last night when Kluber got removed. The Blue Jays beat the Yankees. Vladdy Jr., the guy who lost 75 pounds during the offseason, Vladdy Guerrero, who was struggling last year in the shortened season, panicked. What do we do? He must stink. Trade him. Get rid of him. He's got 16 home runs. Hit his 16th. He's got one more than Shohei Otani. We could have raised the bar with Shohei. There should be an American and National League raising the bar, Coca. Shohei is definitely the American League guy who raised the bar. Although his team is sinking. I think they're in last or close to last place. They won last night. They may be a half game out of last. But Guerrero passed him, hit his 16th home run. Do you know that he's hitting 337 right now? Do you know that he is mashing? In 2017, I walked into the clubhouse, into the visiting clubhouse, because the American League that year, National League was the home team, as I recall. 
it switches off. It has nothing to do with the park, by the way, because it determines uh, it switches off. So it used to be that the All-Star game, here's a little nugget for you. It used to be the All-Star game used to switch between an American League and a National League city. They would go back and forth and they stopped that. They had a bunch of National League teams in a row or a bunch of American League teams in a row. It's not back and forth now. It only has to do with which communities will build stadiums for teams. Those are the cities that get the um, uh, All-Star games or they'll do something with historic in nature, like with Philadelphia getting it. I think they're getting it in 2000. 20 something maybe 2026 coca to celebrate some is it the 250th anniversary of our country i'm again not i'm probably getting that wrong but anyway so in 2017 the national league we hosted the ulster game in miami and we're a national league team but it happened to be the year that the national league was batting last they were the home team and on monday of all-star week or maybe it's sunday night actually of course it is. It's Sunday night because Monday night's the all-star is the home run derby. Sunday night is something called the futures game. That's when they bring all the young players who you've never heard of and they play in a game and it's super fun to watch because many of them are going to become good players. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was in that game. I went into the clubhouse because I hadn't seen him since 2001. And so I hadn't seen him in 16 years since he was a little kid who was raking. And I went in to talk to him, said hello to him. We spoke for a few minutes. We spoke about his dad. And I reminded him that I had met him. We talked about senior and Vladimir senior was at the game. He had bought a suite for the all-star game. And I got to watch an inning or two of the all-star game with Vladimir and catch up with him who I hadn't seen in a bit. And what I noticed about Guerrero junior back then is what you notice about any second generation player. They are not overwhelmed by any scene. They're not overwhelmed by a big league stadium, by, by big league airplane. They're not overwhelmed by, as the life of a big leaguer because they've grown up around it. And one of the great adjustments the players have to make when they get to the big leagues is, are they ready to be a quote big leaguer? Not from a skill standpoint, but from a lifestyle standpoint. There's a huge number of players who don't make it in the big leagues because they're not ready at all to have the major league lifestyle and they don't get enough rest. They party too much. They don't take care of themselves and they do what normal 22 year olds would do or 19 or 20, 21, 23, 24. And they've got a little money coming in every two weeks. They're spending it. They're not spending it wisely. And they're not realizing that what they did to get there is nothing compared to what they need to do to stay there. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was not like that. He was on it. And he was so skilled with a Hall of Fame father that he could mail it in. But he was so dead set on being like his dad and better than his dad. All the way back four years ago, he was ready to be better than his dad because he was so competitive with his dad. Because the way Vladimir was with Junior, it was not coo coo. Is it goo goo? What do you say to a kid, Coca? Like, cuckoo, cuckoo. That sounds like what you say when you're eating Cocoa Puffs. I can't believe I can't think of the word. What is it? Is it goo goo gaga? Goo goo gaga. Thank you, Coca. Goo goo gaga. No, that's not how Vladimir Jr. got treated by Vladimir Sr. He didn't get coddled. I'm happy for Vladimir Jr. I really am. I got to tell you, do you know what Sr.'s doing right now? Loving life. Anyway, we're sponsored, aren't we, Coca?
Raising the Bar, presented by Sonos Arc. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has raised the bar, leading the league in OPS, home runs, batting 337 at the age of 22. Vladimir Guerrero is going to Coors Field in July. You can bet your bippy. Now, wouldn't it be cool to get Vladimir Guerrero if we can get Stanton healthy, bring in Pete Alonso, bring back Nolan Arenado's little uh, to the fans of Colorado. Can you imagine them in the home run derby? Holy shnikes. What about Acuna? What about Shohei? If Shohei Otani does the home run derby, Coca, what can I say that I'll do that I would really do? I can't say I'll eat the rundown. People say that. I'll eat my paper because it's on a computer. You know what? We will do, they're doing something uh, next week on Levitar. They're doing a 24-hour episode, I think. That may not have ever been announced yet. Has that been announced, Coca? Uh-oh. Should we edit that out? Okay, ready? Here we go. 68, 70, 69. Can you imagine if a popular number one podcast decided to do a 24-hour show and how crazy that would be to stay up for 24 hours? If Vladimir Guerrero is not an all-star in Coors Field this July, Nothing personal. Me and Coca, I didn't get pre-approval. We didn't talk about this before the show. Me and Coca will coordinate and schedule and do a 24-hour nothing personal show. You got that, Coca? Are you in or out for that? Because I'm going to need you to cover about four hours of that. I can give you 20, but you're going to need to do four. Okay, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to review a movie with Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, Gary Oldman. Oh, my God, what a cast. And we are going to get to, I guarantee you, a conversation, tiny one, about LeBron and about the Mavericks and about Porzingis and about COVID. We will be right back. Don't go away. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David. We get to review a movie every single week. No, we don't. Cut that. 40, 69. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson. We get to review a movie every single day here on Nothing Personal. And we get to review it with our Sonos equipment that they were so generous to not send us. I bought all the Sonos equipment because it's the best. They have sound bars, they have apps, you can listen to the radio, you can watch TV, you can control everything from your phone, and it's one button, you press it. Want me to play music for you right now by pressing Sonos? I can do it. Do you want me to be in violation of all the copyright rules known to mankind? I can do it. I just got an alert, by the way, 10 minutes ago, that Amazon is buying MGM Studios for $8 billion. Coca, can we just change for a minute and talk to you, talk about what, what Amazon is doing? This is not part of the show, but I guess it is now. Anyway, Sonos, I got to finish that. 
get Sonos, please. I have it. It's amazing. And it's worth it. It's totally worth it, especially when you watch a movie every day. Is everyone paying attention to what Amazon is doing? I'm just curious if you are. Do you know how Amazon makes its money? They make money because if you have an app and you're a Prime member and you go on and you shop on Amazon and you're getting your movies on Amazon, you're getting your groceries on Amazon, you're going to Whole Foods and you're using Amazon. You think you're just buying books on Amazon? You're buying everything. They've got you. Amazon then said, we've got another thing we want to get. We want to get live sports. So they're dipping their toe in that by getting the rights. I think they have the Thursday night NFL package. Everyone's all excited. Amazon's getting into that. Guess what else Amazon's going to get into? Your pocket in every way, and they're controlling it. Do you know how scary it is to think of what Amazon is actually trying to do and accomplishing by buying up everything? Do you know 10 years from now, it is not unlikely that Amazon will have, forget just Thursday night football, they could have the package, they could get rid of CBS, NBC, ABC. They could buy it all. And it's pocket change. Why? Because of us. Because you get an Amazon package at your door every day. Because you don't want to leave the house. Do you know that this pandemic made it so Amazon can take over the world? And now they just announced they're buying MGM for $8 billion. $8 billion for Amazon. I'm trying to do the math, Coca. How many days does it take them to get $8 billion in revenue? Not from anything other than Amazon Prime and Amazon app. Just curious. Doesn't mean they're paying taxes, by the way. That's a pretty big deal. Their market cap, Coca just whispered to me, is $1.6 trillion. Trillion. That's more than billion. I think that's, is that, hey, does it go thousands? hundreds of thousands, millions, billions, gazillions, and then trillions. I think trillions is one above gazillion, which is one above million. That's a lot of money. By the way, to be fair, Coca, he didn't, to be fair to Coca is the producer of Nothing Personal. I shouldn't have looked at my phone during the show, but sometimes I do. If you're watching this on Nothing Personal thing, on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, you actually saw because the phone vibrates. And Coca said to me yesterday, don't put the phone near the microphone because I can hear the vibration. But today I did it again. Why am I looking at the phone during the show? Because once in a while something hits, Coca sees it, I see it, and we want to address it right then and there. And today was that example. I mean, that is, just be ready, folks. Mark my words, on May 26th of 21, the behemoth that Amazon has become is going to impact every part of your consumptive life. Everything you buy is gonna be controlled by Amazon. Just you wait. How much is 50 grand for Amazon? Oh, I forgot to review the movie. The Woman in the Window. I'm on it, Coca, totally on it. The Woman in the Window is a new movie with Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, and Gary Oldman. That's a great cast. Gary Oldman's an Academy Award winner. Julianne Moore, remember her from Boogie Nights, among other movies? What about Amy Adams? American Hustle, Enchanted, Hillbilly Elegy. You've seen Amy Adams. Oscar nominee. I think she's an Oscar nominee. So the movie's about a woman with schizophrenia. A movie about a woman who had a loss. Anthony Mackie's in the movie as well. And 
she doesn't really know the difference between reality and fantasy. And she also has not schizophrenia. It's called agoraphobia. I was mixing it up with another movie that I watched that I haven't reviewed, which is about schizophrenia. And I can't remember the name, but it will be reviewed because I watched it two days ago. And it was good. It's about a kid with schizophrenia. Anyway, she has agoraphobia. She has a fear of going outside. I had that for a while. I was never diagnosed with it because I didn't talk to my therapist about it. Agoraphobia is when you are scared of going outside for whatever reason. A meteor is going to hit you. You're scared of being hit by a car. You're scared of being mugged. You're scared of being attacked. You're scared of dying alone. Whatever the case is, you can't leave the house. And remember Howard Hughes? Howard Hughes had that. And you end up peeing in jars if you ever saw the aviator. So it's a pretty serious affliction that when you have it is very serious. When it's someone you know, it's really serious. When it's someone you don't know, you say, well, that's weird, just get over it. So Amy Adams had it. It's a story about what happens to her and what she does when you have agoraphobia. You end up spying on your neighbors. What happens with the neighbors? What happens when she sees something she doesn't see? It's a mystery. And overall, I'm going to review because a listener, Coca, wants me to give you on a scale of movies, how I like them. And I'm not going to do it with bats. I used to do that. It's a five bat movie, five out of five or five out of 10. The suggestion made, and I love it, is the number of times during the movie that I looked at my phone. It's called the glance scale. How many glances did I have during the course of that movie? Every review from now on will be given to you on the glance scale. It's from zero to 10. A 10 glance movie stinks. A zero glance movie is the best. Do you get it? It's the opposite. You want as few glances as possible. The Woman in the Window is a six glance movie. Okay. Thank you. Did you watch the games last night, Coke? Are you tired? I watched them. I was up late. Is it possible that the Lakers and Clippers, who came up with the asinine idea that the Lakers and Clippers were going to go down 0-2? Whose thought was that? Couldn't have been mine, was it? We went one and one. We're 73 and 49. Does that mean we were 72 and 48 after yesterday, Coca? Because we're 73 and 49, still 24 over. I had the Suns plus one and a half. What, I thought the Lakers would win by one? I guess there was a chance. The Lakers won on the road. They needed to win on the road. That's a big win. We got a long series ahead of us anywhere from five to seven games. <laughs> That's a loss. Do you believe me that Luke is better than Kawhi? Do you believe me that Paul George just isn't a good player? Do you believe me that the Clippers have a problem even with Doc Rivers as the coach? Who he's not is now Ty Lue. Do you get that? Remember last year, Doc Rivers was the coach of the Clippers. They lost in the playoffs. They were up 3-1, and I think they lost to the Nuggets, and they had to get rid of Doc Rivers, who went to Philly, and they brought in Ty Lue, and everything was going to be good, and Paul George said, we're good. Kawhi said, we got to play together. Everything's fine. But during the course of this season, there were so many instances when the Clippers were saying, hey, we're not good enough. We're not ready. We don't have the intensity. Well, they drew a first-round matchup that nightmares are made of, and the matchup is against the Mavericks, who have the best player in basketball right now, although people are going to say it's the Joker. Luca's just unreal. It's not Westbrook. It's not LeBron. It's not AD. I'm sorry. It's just not. 
Luca's good. Mavericks are up 2-0. They were getting six points. All right, I got to go to baseball today because something's going on that I have to talk about. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays had won 11 in a row. They lost yesterday the Royals, which is huge because that means the Rays are my pick of the day. The Royals, as you remember, started off, they were the team talk of the town in May. They were 16-9, and nine, I think, on May 1st, and now they're somewhere around 500. George Brett, the very famous Hall of Fame Royal, who is now an advisor, talked about that they've got to turn it around. They've got to start playing better. Yeah, whatever. They're going to lose 90 games, George. You know that. The Rays also started slowly, and now after winning 11 out of 12, they are doing quite fine along with the Yankees and Red Sox. Watch for the Yankees and Rays to compete for the AL East all season. The Red Sox are going to fade like a painting that does not have the proper glass over it that's being hung in the sunlight. Tyler Glasnow is pitching against Mike Miner. Take the Rays. We're taking a break from basketball just because this pick is too good and I want it. Tampa Bay over Kansas City. So if you watched the game last night, the Dallas game, you watched Chris Stapps Porzingis, the Nick player, who was then traded to the Mavericks. You watched Porzingis play. And you were thinking to yourself, wow, I'm glad he played, but didn't he violate some COVID thing that I read? Yeah, you did. You read that right. Porzingis was fined $50,000. I want to give you the quote. He violated a rule which, quote, prohibits a player from going into any bar, club, lounge, or similar establishment, regardless of the player's vaccination status. We'd like you to get to 85% vaccinated because we're going to relax some of the protocols. But even when you're vaccinated, you can't go to bars, can't go to clubs, can't go to lounges, can't go to, quote, similar establishments. I'm not sure what a similar establishment is to a bar, club, or lounge. Let, let's think about it, Coca. Come on, right now. What is similar to a bar, club, and lounge? Is it uh, a hotel room where you've got 10 people over and you're serving drinks? That's sort of loungy, but there's beds there. What about if you go to a barbecue? except there's a bar and there's music. That seems similar if it's an outdoor place where you have to pay for admission or there's a limited capacity. That could be a similar establishment. What if it's a tequila party? A sanctioned event that takes place. Coke is worried that you all have LeBron fatigue. I don't have LeBron fatigue. How come LeBron wasn't fined or suspended for what he did, but Porzingis was fined 50 grand? How come people don't realize the double standard that exists with superstars in the NBA? I think they do, but they don't talk about it enough. Well, even the NBA got nervous yesterday. Leagues don't often reply to social media pressure. When it comes to race and diversity and equity and inclusion, there's a lot of reaction because you wanna be on the right side of history. So you do statements, you do programs, you do hirings, you do all those things. When it comes to COVID, you understand the political nature of this pandemic. I think we all do. We understand the issue that's going on with vaccinations. I think we all do. But the league makes COVID protocols. They negotiate it with the players unions. And those protocols are not political in nature. 
They are meant for the sole purpose of getting through a season to get to the playoffs, to get the broadcast revenue that is received by these leagues during the playoffs. And while the rules can be tight and strict, the application has to be consistent. And the NBA decided to react to your, in the media, your fan base on social media, your concern that LeBron is not treated the same as every other player. And they released a statement that said, LeBron was not fined because he briefly attended an outdoor event where participants were required to be vaccinated or return a negative test result. G-M-A-B. We got you, Adam. We got you. You briefly attended? Did, was he wearing his Fitbit timer that he had to wear during the bubble? Did you interview witnesses who said LeBron James arrived at 7.14 p.m. and left after three tequilas, four autographs, 10 pictures at 7.42 p.m.? Does that count as brief, 28 minutes? Was he there an hour? Is that brief? In a five-hour event, I went there an hour. I was briefly stopped by. Briefly. I walked in and I walked out. It's like going to Wisconsin. That's a Stripes reference. I don't understand how the NBA, an official league, can say he briefly attended an outdoor event. And then you talk about the fact that vaccinations were required, except Porzingis was fine because he went to a place and it didn't matter about his own vaccination. That's the purpose of being vaccinated, folks. The reason that I'm annoyed at this issue is that I want the NBA to just one time acknowledge, one time for me, there are the LeBron rules. There have to be because it's just business. Sorry, Mark Cuban and Przingis. It's nothing personal. 